let's talk about black women and relationships through storytelling. Right now with Zara Hairston podcast brought to you by ZaraHairston.com. So I had my husband on my YouTube channel on a video that talked about how he felt about the graphic scenes in my novel. In that video, he talked about a little bit about it. Here's a clip. And then it's a little different because this is my husband who's read some of the scenes that were a little bit hard for him to digest. A little, a lot of bit hard for me to digest. Why was it hard for you to digest? It's difficult thinking about your wife in that way. There are times in there where, you know, people taking advantage of rhythm. You know, and it's difficult. That's hard to swallow because I want to hurt somebody. So that was a little clip. If you want to see the full video um, of us on YouTube, you can go to ZaraHairston.com slash blog and look for the video title, What My Husband Thinks About the Graphic Scenes in My Novel Series that Came in the Past. But in this episode of uh, Right Now with Zara Hairston podcast, I wanted to also bring him on for a more intimate discussion. So welcome, uh, I call him Anton Harrison, but the world calls him Eshawn Burgundy. Well, you don't call me Anton Harrison. If you <laughs> did, that would be weird. Okay, so I can't introduce you as baby, but this is my husband, love of my life, father of my children, but the world knows and him. Center of your world and yeah. universe. Uh, no, that would be God, not you. <laughs> okay. But anyway, my husband, Eshawn Burgundy, like I said, the world knows him as Eshawn Burgundy. His music, people call it powerful, life-changing. He gets letters, DMs, messages um, from people that have said his lyrics, his anointing, how God uses him uh, lyrically, musically, has changed their life. So tell us a little bit before we get into uh, talking about books and fiction and what this podcast is about who you are what you do how you got started you know you've hit billboard all that let people that don't know you know what you do that might listen to me like that are readers but not you know into your music yeah. give them a background of who you are well i rap um been rapping since the age of eight uh and uh since then i've been able to rap on stages with a lot of um a lot of artists, uh, people like Most Def and Talib, and uh, even on the same stage as Alicia Keys at one point. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm from Philadelphia. And about what, man, 20 years ago, I started rapping um, with the Lord in mind and uh putting him in my lyrics his word in my lyrics and ever since then his music has been very powerful not of not because of my own doing but because of his and i've been able to travel the world a little bit you know been to you know a few different places outside of this country a couple islands um some different countries and yeah it's been a it's been a blessing music has been a a, a really nice journey for me so, um, I wanted you to introduce yourself so people wouldn't know that you're not like some, um, you know, like rapping is not a hobby. This is something that God has really, um, 
like anointed you with like it's a gift everybody doesn't have that gift i know a lot of times when i listen to my husband's music i'm like yo that was crazy like everybody don't have that presence everybody doesn't have the ability to like move people's hearts and lives um the way you do so I just, I know you don't like to brag on yourself, so you're struggling right now, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not a hobby. It's not a game. I I watch my husband, you know, be really intentional about the music that he puts out. Um, he doesn't do things for like hits or popularity or like something to go viral. Like he really uh, is in contact with God and really being led by the Holy Spirit to make sure that the content that he produces is driven and motivated by God and um it wasn't always like that and I've been able to watch you know his journey and um on this episode we're going to talk about how he watched me and my journey to offering up to you guys it came to pass so I thought once we did the YouTube video it would be dope to bring him on a podcast so obviously this podcast is about um black women and relationships through storytelling and the reason why we do that is because I know for a fact that the black experience is different than other experiences because of things like racism, like slavery. These are experiences that other cultures haven't had to endure the way we have. And even up until today, the effects and impact of those things still show up in our lives. And, um, especially in our relationships that's why so many black people don't like counseling they don't like therapy they're afraid of doctors um if you just look back at the history of the black experience in life um we couldn't trust those people because they took advantage of us doctors took advantage of us um we couldn't afford therapy you know counseling and mental health was like a luxury we were just in like survival mode but now in today's society we have what some consider, you know, our luxuries, but there's still a lot of people, black people who don't think that there's a benefit in healing. They think you can just say a prayer and it can be all over or just go to church, but mental health, um, there are some steps that need to occur in addition to prayer and, you know, believing in God and having your faith and, um, it came the past explores that, but the first book is basically the the little girl's childhood, and it came the past um is a novel series based on my life. Book one just released in the beginning, and my husband has been wanting me, well, wanted me to finish it came the past forever because it was based on my story, and he really thought that people needed to hear it. Just how I kind of like gave you a backdrop of his music and and why you know i know he's anointed and everybody doesn't have that gift so many people rap but they're not anointed to rap they're not anointed to write pen lyrics and speak them and then other people are my husband has really encouraged me in my writing for a long time when he came into my life i had already been working on the novel and i don't think you read did you read a little bit of it back in the day i think you read some of it to me in the beginning I can't remember because the it was like 10 years in the making. But when I got really like, okay, I'm going to publish this. My husband was like telling people, Yo, my, my wife got this book coming out, yo. And I'm just like, baby, I didn't even finish the book. And he was going around telling everybody about it. But tell the audience a little bit about why you thought it was necessary for people to hear the story. Like, what was it when you were reading the first 
few pages of the unpublished book. Now it's published, but back then it wasn't even done yet. I didn't know it was a series. I didn't know what it was going to be, but you were already telling people like this book is coming and y'all need to get it. Why, why were you, besides the fact that I'm your wife, like exile, I'm your wife. Why did you think it was important? Well, first, I think you're a fascinating individual. Don't flirt with me right now. I, I do. I, I, I think you're fascinating. And reading those those uh, those scenarios that you were in, you know, kind of reading it in detail, getting a firmer grasp on it, because you told me these stories, but to read it, it just, you know, just opened up. Um, just more things in my imagination just helped me just kind of see things from a different perspective and I just thought it was something and still do think it's something that everybody needs to read in order to kind of find themselves in those pages and and be to identify you know with those circumstances because I think it it just makes you question a lot of things about your own life and what you would do if you were in those situations, if you have been in those situations, um, what you did. You know, it's just a it's a thought provoking piece of work. And um, we all need to think more. And any and, and, and it's just something that challenges us, you know, people to read. So I was like, man, this this everybody needs to read this and be inspired and be encouraged by this little brilliant, bright little girl in all of these you know dark circumstances so two things you just said that i really like you said people need to find themselves in the pages uh what do you think about people who may not have experienced um trauma or do you think that every black child has experienced trauma in some way but because we're not taught to identify it or deal with it that people don't even know that they have it because one of the things that I say, especially on the Instagram page, make sure you guys follow it if you're not, is it came to pass underscore book. But one of the quotes I put up on there is like, the relationship issues you have as adults are rooted in childhood. And so many black people, I know even me and you, and we talk to couples and we've counseled couples, they think that the problem is like their current issues. They don't know that yeah. it's linked to something in childhood that was never resolved. And you're just perpetuating that cycle in every relationship that you're in. Yeah. So when you, when you say people need to find themselves in the pages, but then they might say, well, I've never endured any kind of childhood trauma or sexual abuse or anything like that. What would be your response to that reader who says, well, what do I need to read this for? If I haven't gone through anything. Well, I think trauma is trauma and I think it um I think no matter what it is it affects the brain, the heart, the mind in in the, in in similar ways no matter what it is. So I think reading it and and being able to see those scenarios, to see this 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 young girl in in, in these scenarios and the other people that kind of played a part in it, you're able to find yourself in that in some shape form or fashion. And if you can't, it'll It'll uh, open up your mind to be more um, compassionate for people who have had those experiences. I think before when I heard about people being molested or or being, um, you know, challenged in some of the ways that's, that's revealed in your book, I didn't have any, I didn't have any, uh, any foundation or any, you know, place or space in me to have any type of empathy because I couldn't really relate to it. 
You know what I'm saying? But seeing it, like I said, reading it from your perspective, seeing the way you kind of detail it and map it out, it's almost like watching a film as I'm reading it. And it puts me in that position. So when I'm in it, I feel like I can kind of look around. Like I feel like I'm in the room when 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 certain things are happening. I can kind of look around and feel it. And when you put yourself in the shoes of someone else, you know, you know, your your response to what they're going through or what they've been through is a lot different. So that's definitely true. And um, I think in you saying that some people might be like, well, dang, I don't know if I want to read that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to experience that. What do you say to people who are like, and I mean, people have said, well, that was a hard read, but I'm glad I read that. And the gladness comes from different perspectives. Some people are glad because they're like, that helped me be free from something I've been hiding that happened in my own life. Other people are like, I'm glad I read that because it just helped me see the life of somebody else that has walked shoes that I haven't walked. Like I've experienced trauma, but not that kind. Like, well, I didn't know I can identify with it. Yeah. But what do you say to people that are like, you know, I hear that there's some hard parts of reading this book. I don't want to come face to face with that kind of stuff. I don't want to deal with that. Like, what do you, as someone who's read those scenes, why do you feel like it might be important to push past that? I would say stop being a coward. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah, know, that's a little, a little hard, rough, a little harsh, but I think you know the society that we live in, we're kind of taught to be cowardly, we're taught to fear, and we're taught to kind of run away from things instead of facing things head on. And um, you know, the truth is, people are going through this stuff, no matter how how you know bad it is for us or how hard it is for us to you know endure hearing about these stories. You know, the fact is people are going through it. And if we're going to be of some assistance or some help to those people, we have to be able to um, um, identify it or identify with it in some way. And, you know, for the listeners who are believers in the way who walk according to um, the Lord and his word, it's like it's really important for us because that's what we're called to. We're called to be, you know, a light for others. We're called to be um, um, to help uh, others when they're going through things like this and not just be so individualistic in the way that we think and behave where we're just concerned with ourselves. And like I said, I think this society that we live in teaches us to kind of just worry about you, do you, let everybody else do them. And uh, especially like coming from the streets with this whole stop snitching, no snitching code where you just kind of see things happening um, and you see, you know, injustices happening and you just turn a blind eye to it, you know, because it's not your business. But, you know, for the believer, I think it's, it's, it's meant for us to, you know, be more uh, aware, like I said, of what people are going through and looking for ways that we can help and be of assistance. And I think this book kind of puts you in, it, it, it gives you it gives you good perspective on what those circumstances feel like, you know. And if you can identify with it, I think you would start to want to be a part of uh, the solution for some of these young girls and even boys that are experiencing things like this. Yeah, that the crazy thing about that is too, like when I was writing this years ago, it published last year, but when I was writing it, one of the hard things for me to share and expose was those, uh, the sexual abuse and molestation because 
when I became a believer, that was something you just didn't talk about. You didn't deal with it. No church I went to was talking about molestation, incest, sexual abuse. Um, if you brought it up, it was too uncomfortable to talk about. Like people just didn't deal with it. So, um, it was hard for me to write those scenes and I was afraid like, well, one, what are, what are people in my family going to think? Cause they know that this is based on true events Two, I don't really have the backing and the support of any kind of uh, church structure because they don't even talk about this kind of thing. So I was real alone, um, at that point in, in that place in my life in doing it, it required a lot of bravery. It, re- it required a lot of confidence, but I can't even say those are the things that made me do it. What really pushed me to the point to like really expose it and share it was just like needing to release it, to get free from it. It was like my way of getting it out of me was getting it out of my head and getting it into a book and putting it in that story. And one girl, she just sent a review um, of the book and she said it inspired her to start journaling again. And that's what it was like. It was like, you know, sometimes when you journal, you get things out. It helps you to heal from them. So people were like, oh, you're so brave for this shit. It was really a matter of like, I need healing. And it was a brave act, but I didn't do it because I was brave. I think the bravery came after the fact. Like, oh, I got it out. I did it. Oh, that was brave. It wasn't like, I'm brave. I'm going to do this. So that is true you know people are afraid to confront these things and sometimes you have to want your healing more than you want your comfort you know well i i I think i have to disagree with you i think it was brave as you were right i think you had to be brave to pen some of that stuff i mean (laughs) to 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 sit and think about those things and say yo i'm really gonna write this down i think that's where the bravery came in well you know the thing is it's not a biography so that's what I mean is like I put these things onto a character. Still, so when I was writing these still. characters, I'm like, I'm not I'm outside of myself and I'm of course I'm picturing things that happened to me. And yeah, there were times where I had to like stop and cry or I had to walk away from a scene for a few days before I came back and wrote it. Some yeah. of the harder parts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean I guess so, but I get to me it wasn't as brave as people think. I don't know, because I'm putting the burden on the characters more than I did myself. But I guess what you're saying is in writing it, it takes a certain sense of bravery to even form the words and, yeah. and visualize what I needed to see in order to write those things and down. commit to it. Like you yeah. committed to it, you know, and I'm, you know, with bravery, I think people see our bravery a lot more clear than we do. Yeah, you know? probably. That's Cause like I people... definitely don't I t- like, even right now, I don't feel like that was like great. Like people are like, one girl sent in a review and she was like, thank you for your sacrifice. Mm. I'm like, I made a sacrifice. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just big sacrifice. I mean, I don't know. I, I still, you know, I'm still getting accustomed to the, to it being published. Cause for years I just carried it and mm. different people like you, you know, people along my walk that I met that found out about my story or when I did poetry and I had different poems, like daddy's little girl, I wasn't, if these walls could talk, things like that people would hear it and come up to me and those were like expressions that gave me relief the book is like the pretty much the full story so i'm still getting accustomed to people having my book in their hands reading these lines outside of myself yeah when i have no idea that you're even reading the story and like coming to these conclusions about my life or me or the characters so it's another form of bravery (laughs) 
Yeah. Another form of bravery. You know, I, 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 and I think it's like, you know, you, you probably won't ever see it clearly. You know, it's like the, the guy walking out of the, <clears throat> walking out of the burning building, you know, who just rescued, you know, the elderly woman. And people are like, you're a hero. And he's like, I'm not a, a hero. He, he can't really see it because he's like, man, this is what a decent person would do. This is what needed to be do. done. Yeah, like, it was a done. necessity. Yeah. people should do. Yeah. But everybody else looks at it as a heroic act. Why? Because it's not common. It's yeah. not it's not what everybody does. You know, yeah. you know, most people are going to be scared and fearful to run in that burning house to save that woman. And so I think in that, that's the heroism. That's the bravery. You know, so for you, you just told, you know, secrets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you just shared yeah. something that was so uh, that you, you, you're tempted to on a daily basis and probably have been, you know, your whole life to keep to yourself. You just yeah. told. And yeah, so many yeah. other little girls and and you know, women and grown women and, and yeah. grown women and, and people in general they don't ever have tell. these stories yeah. and they never tell. So it's like, yeah. and it's know. like you said the whole snitching thing. Like you telling on people. You know, I've had people say, you know, family business is family business. Family staying family, and I think that that is such a harmful way of thinking because when you when something is is abuse or something is keeping you bound, you need to tell to get freedom. Yeah. Like that's not stuff we keep secret. Yeah. Like we're protecting the people that are hurting us. And that's a lesson I've been relearning in a lot of my life, even recently, that's going to give me new content is like not wanting to say something because you do get penalized when you speak. People penalize the victim. They you know, the whole R. Kelly thing that came out. I don't know, you know, the specifics of that story, but I do know a lot of the, that there are real victims. Yeah. And I know a lot of them that came out, they were getting bashed. They were getting Absolutely. lied on. They were saying, well, what did you do right. to cause him to do that? Well, you knew better. And then so you deal with that. Like, so yeah, I was afraid of, of that. And sometimes I still am like, you know, some, some people in my family, I hope they never read it because it's like, I don't know what you might say or do. And then you want to attack me and my credibility because I quote unquote told. So yeah, I definitely can get that. But in reading the first few chapters of book one from it came to pass, what were a few life lessons you pulled away? Like we, we've talked about the feelings that you feel. We've talked about how the narrative can cause some concern for people, it, how it's uncomfortable, how it's uh, some things you don't want to face. But what are some actual life lessons that you pulled away just from like the first few chapters. I know the way chapter one ends, people said that that was like one of their favorite scenes mm. when the little girl's walking with her father. And that actually really happened. I also have a YouTube video up um, demonstrating that scene in that block. Yeah. Well, but um, and that one in particular, like I'm reading that as a father, it's just like, I would never want my child to feel like they couldn't tell me something. Mm -hmm. And so to see rhythm in that, position where she's you know hinting around that she wants to say something you know kind of you mm -hmm. know checking her, her father's temperature to see if she can say something and his response being as though he cares and then he goes from care you know seeming like he cares to then berate berating her you know, for, you know, 
later on. You know what I'm saying? Pretty like, much like, showing her why she don't want to tell exactly. you. Exactly. Like, like, this is why she's why, not saying anything. This is why she has difficulty, you know, wanting to tell you anything or share it with you because she doesn't know whether she's going to become a, a victim again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? By you. And so that was... That was, you know, that's tough, you know what I'm saying? Because you hate to see a child in that position, a child that's being um, abused, you know what I'm saying, and, and can't reach out to the people who are, is, are, are supposed to protect her, you know what I'm saying? So that was that was a life lesson that, you know, for, for me, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you, you really should say something. But um, at the same time, you want to say it to the right person. A safe environment. A safe and that's the thing that we talked about earlier. Um, a lot of black families, if if you're not healed, how can you help a child heal who is affected by the cycle that continues on? Yeah. I'm sure, and I know for a fact, I'm not the only person that was molested in my family. So if nobody's talking about it and nobody's getting healed, and this is a generational issue, it never gets healed until the first person speaks up, gets healed, and then helps others yeah. moving forward. And so that this this is why I talk about how like it's so important to handle cyclical issues, childhood issues, people thinking that their current relationship problems are the relationship currently, but it's rooted a lot of times in unresolved issues in childhood that you oh, never got back to fix. That's and that fact. was the allegory in the conversation with the character Rhythm, which is based on me. I know you guys heard him say Rhythm. Rhythm is a character who's based on me, and it came to pass. But that conversation she has with her father, it's like they're both broken. How do you fix? How can a father who's broken help fix a daughter who's now broken too? And that was what I wanted to show. And I think that's why so many people were like, wow, like how do you do that? Because you understood in his <clears throat> And him telling a little bit of his story, just a little a little piece of it, you see, wow, how damaged and broken he is. And then it just passed down to his daughter. And it just keeps, it will continue to pass down until someone does something about it. Yeah. So a lot of people don't read in between the lines of those things, but that's really what I'm trying to demonstrate through book one and two, the foundation of the character, the foundation of people that it starts in these childhood issues. And a lot of times my generation and before, like my generation and forward are starting to experience the benefits of counseling, but my generation and behind that was like, no, I know my grandmother ain't never go to no counseling. Like we go to church. What are you talking about? Like, and that's why I, I think this is such an important piece of work because it helps you. Um, you know, you know, you talk about life lessons. I think for adults who read this book and our parents who are going to be parents, it makes you say, wait a minute, let me let me, you know, kind of probe and ask questions. Um, ask my children questions and kind of be there for them. You know, what I mean, for some of the you know, they, they might have some difficult things they want to share with me, but not sure if they can. And I think that's the that's the. uh it's the adults or the parents' responsibility and not just the child, you know, because we, we tell the child, we tell the children, come forward, say something. If you're going through something, say something. But, you know, just like you said, if, if it's not a safe environment, they're not going to want to share. You know, they're going to hold it to themselves because, you know, out of fear that they're going to be, you know, um, 
villainized villainized or you know not uh not cared for and not not uh, uh or faulted uh, not loved or faulted um in that situation so i think you know that's a lesson that people can pull from it you know you know that you need to talk to your children you need to make time like like with us we have our time that we you know our alone time we have with our children we go go out and take them to get something to eat or whatever and just sit and talk with them and um really give them an opportunity a safe space to just be honest where there's no repercussions um for you saying what you're saying just be you know be honest get what's on your mind off your mind and you had a moment with our daughter ever um where she was holding back you know a, a secret and for her it was tough she hold on hold on hold on before we go into that um on that note let's take a quick commercial break we'll be right back trauma in childhood is so common we often don't realize it's the very thing destroying who we are as adults to move past it we have to go back to where it began it came to pass book one in the beginning visit it came to pass.com for more information all right before that quick break my husband Ishan burgundy anton harrison whoever you want to call him he was talking about the conversation that the character rhythm has with her father and uh we were discussing how it's hard for a child to sometimes tell the parent what's going on and that might be because the parents also broken recently you, you had a conversation with our daughter ever and it was about you know pretty much you know putting her in a, in a safe place um and and just allowing her to be open and honest with you without any repercussions and she shared you know something with you that had been troubling her for a while it was a secret that she had been holding on to and she was just in fear and then she shared it with you and just expressed her overwhelming like, oh my gosh mom i feel so much get, better yeah, oh my gosh she was able to get that off of her you know and i thought about that when it happened like man i can't imagine if what it would no feel like if she had never gotten an opportunity to share that and she mm -hmm. had to grow up you know and harboring that word the whole time right right just carrying that and, and and what it does internally you know what it does mentally what it does emotionally um to an individual that's harboring those kind of thoughts and feelings and not being able to share so i think it's it's really it's it's a challenge Re reading this book will will challenge you as a parent and um, beyond just a well. parent just as a person too because the character did tell people in the story uh, and this is like these were the cliffhangers where she tells one person and you'll see in the book what happens when that person gets the information the one person she kind of trusted gets the information what happens then she has another person yeah. she's left to trust that person gets the information and she does something really harmful with it that hurts yeah. her even worse so yeah. she's she's trying to find ways to get this out of her but there are no safe people around her to tell it to because all these people are broken and that's just kind of this is this is what i wanted the reader to see like so many of us are broken and we're depending on broken people to help us heal. And this is why we need professional help sometimes from counselors, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, 
And all of them are not skilled at what they do. So don't get that twisted either. Um, you want to be with a person who's really anointed to help, to counsel, to facilitate or join you in your healing. Every Just because they got a degree don't mean that they can. And I've been through that too. But the point that I'm making is that we've all gone through some kind of trauma in childhood, especially as black people. All of us have. Yeah. If you haven't healed from that, then you're bringing that into your future. And you might not understand why your current situations and relationships are the way they are, why you're still bound, why you're still broken. And it's rooted all the way back when, because what happens when you don't fix that one is snowballs into another issue and another issue and another issue. And by the time you're an adult, you really need some help. Yeah. But we don't even think we've been traumatized. Like we don't know. We don't understand what trauma is. Trauma is anything that was overwhelmingly stressful on, on you. Molestation abuse physical verbal it could have been anything it could have been you moving too much and never having security mm-hmm. uh it could have been you had an alcoholic parent it could have been you had a single parent who wasn't available and you're raising yourself those things traumatize your development and we think that that was just what i had to do or that was just survival that ain't trauma because i've said the same thing like if this is all I know, then why would I think that that was traumatic? I didn't realize a lot of events in my life were traumatic until I had my first counseling appointment in college when I attempted suicide and I had to go. And then I realized, oh, that was wrong. Oh, that was traumatic. Oh, that because I had just been having to survive. I didn't know that they were problems. And so the book is yes for parents yeah it really anybody that reads it is going to find a takeaway you're going to see yourself in something or someone else or a child or a parent it really opens your eyes to be like wow trauma is real and that's a scary word and a big word and i think trauma might i thought trauma had to be somebody got killed or stabbed or was murder trauma is not just murder and blood and gore (laughs) trauma could be just the way somebody talked to you for your whole life as a child has kept Man, you bound. Trauma, trauma for me was that kid that was a little older than me in my dance group that told me I couldn't dance and I never danced again. <laughs> you know, trauma is, it, it can be something simple as that where you you have a, a, a circumstance that, you know, you're faced with it is it's difficult. You don't have anybody to talk to about it. You're just left with your own understanding, and and it may be a faulty understanding, a false understanding, and you just have and 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 that just sticks with you, and so you just, never can so, never get past it. So let's just look at the uh the actual definition of trauma. It says a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Mm. So anything that deeply distresses you or deeply disturbs you mm. is traumatic. Mm. And it's it's a response to a deeply distressing or disturbing event that overwhelms an individual's ability to wow. cope, wow. causes feelings of helplessness, diminishes their sense of self, and their ability to feel the full range of emotions and experiences. Wow. So this is something that is so disturbing and distressing that it makes you feel helpless and it diminishes your sense of reality in some senses. Mm. So that don't that don't sound like that's just murder or blood or anything right, can do right. that. 
And anything that has done that to you was traumatic. And if you haven't resolved it, it is still affecting your life right now. And that's on an individual basis. Everybody's different. So one thing that's traumatic for one person may not be traumatic for the other. So it makes you really consider somebody in their own experience. And like, you know, your own experience is is justified. You know, hey. like you don't have to have an experience like somebody else. And exactly. Like you just said, when somebody said you couldn't dance, somebody else might laugh at that. And yep. be like, people told me I couldn't dance and I was fine. But you don't know what that was rooted in, the seed that was already in my exactly. husband that caused exactly. that to be distressing to him to make him have a sense of hopelessness about the security of who he was. Indeed. So again, like people's experiences are different. Something might happen to you and you'd be like, what was the big deal? Who like what what? And then it happens to someone else, but you don't understand what that's linked to within them that is causing that moment to be traumatic to who they are. So I know that some of the themes in my book are unpopular or they're so they're so normalized now that you might not think it matters, but it really does. So, you know, um, I just want to thank you. Mr. Eshawn Burgundy for coming on right now today to talk about It Came to Pass and storytelling and the effects of some of the uh, strong topics in the novel. And we hope that you'll go and pick it up. You can visit itcame2pass.com. Who, me? You know, I got it. <laughs> I paid $50 for my copy. Oh, don't scare people. It's not $50, it's y'all. Not but $50. it is a coupon if y'all follow on Instagram. It's like a coupon attached to every post. And the Instagram is it came number two pass underscore book. And you can also visit, like I was saying, it came number two pass.com or zarahairston.com. It's on there and it's also on Amazon. But go ahead and check it out. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Eshawn Burgundy. Maybe you watched a video or maybe you listened to a podcast. However, you decided to join me today. Thank you. Make sure you subscribe for the next episode. Also connect with me on social media at Zara Hairston. Thanks again for watching or listening. Visit ZaraHairston.com for more.